Coming up in this episode of The Wheelhouse, Uncovering Positive Intent. Stay tuned. I'm Dr. Grant Chandler, CEO of Students Matter, and this is The Wheelhouse. In this season of our podcast, we'll mix interviews and conversations with in-depth thinking around our three foundational components of our framework, accomplishment-driven leadership, superior instruction, and powerful student care. You know, we believe it's our priority as educators to prove to each student how incredibly distinctive and irreplaceable his or her life is. Together, let's continue to step up to this incredibly important challenge and add additional tools and skills right into our wheelhouse. Welcome to this episode. This was originally not going to be called Uncovering Positive Intent. In fact, it was going to be a completely different topic, which we'll postpone for uh, another episode. Uh, You know, sometimes when you can't get away from a topic, you know that that's the topic that you need to talk about. So welcome to episode 207, Uncovering Positive Intent. Each and every student, and for that matter, adults too, come to school every day wanting to be successful. Some have the skills to do so, and others, both students and adults, fall short. Because, hey, believe it or not, some students lack the skills needed to meet academic, social, emotional or behavioral expectations. But each and every student comes to school every day wanting to be successful. But some of them lack the skills they need. Wow. But isn't that what school's for? If everyone came to school fully loaded with all the skills, the attitudes, and motivation, what would they need us for anyway? Isn't our job to embrace each beautiful young soul, figure out what skills they bring, what skills they're lacking, put a plan in place to address those issues, and then get them to the finish line? I know it's hard work, but shouldn't we expect to have students, some students, with significant need? You know, I read this tweet uh, a while ago, and I've kept it because it's so incredibly powerful, it's so incredibly sad and and true. It comes from Dr. Jessica Stevens, who's a vice principal from the Commonwealth of Massachusetts. She told a story in a tweet probably over a year ago. And And so this is a quote. She says, today a boy said, you love us difficult kids, huh? I replied, difficult? Wouldn't describe you that way. Strong, resilient, full of gifts to share. That's what I see when I look at you. He cried. I wish every kid, every hurt kid, knew someone saw that in them. Me too. End quote. You know, I I haven't been able to get away from that tweet a year later, right? I wish every kid, every hurt kid, knew someone saw that in them. 
And it really speaks to this idea of uncovering positive intent. And, you know, I believe that our work in disrupting the educational landscape is to prove to students that he, she, or they are both distinctive and irreplaceable, each and every one of them. How we choose to respond to the students who need us the most really determines who we are as educators. Extending positive intent to each and every one of them is critical, even if you can't see that positive intent in play. There are reasons, often really, really good reasons, why that good intent could be hard to find. But what would happen if we actually acted like we believe that? Like we believe that every student comes to school wanting to do well. What would change? We might stop blaming children for making our jobs difficult. We might stop blaming parents for what they failed to do. We might stop blaming principals for their lack of support. And we might stop blaming teachers for their lack of skill. Over the years, I've become a huge fan of Jeffrey Benson and Ross Green. Dr. Green says it loudly and clearly. Kids do well if they can. Kids do well if they can. He absolutely is opposed to kids do well if they want to. Well, no one wants any child to struggle or to suffer from any adverse childhood experiences or lack any of the things we want for our own children and grandchildren. I also can't help but remember what Jeffrey Benson said in the opening pages of his 2014 book, Hanging In, Strategies for Teaching Students Who Challenge Us the Most. Quote, a challenging student provides one of the best means of reaching mastery in our field but only when teachers themselves get support and safety and when they are not dealing with many such students in isolation. Hanging in with challenging students can be so meaningful to reveal to us the richness and novelty of human relationships. What we experience in schools reinforces our uniquely human capacities to synthesize, learn, and grow, end quote. And then there's the reality of the challenge of our work that Benson talked about in his 2012 ASCD EL Education Leadership article, 100 Repetitions. Quote, there are no magic tricks. Our role as educators is to align with the healthy potential in each student and hang in while they gradually find shelter in our expectations and caring, in our structures and hope. It's not a straight line. It may take 100 repetitions, end quote. And so I argue that one of the significant changes we need to make in disrupting the educational landscape is that we must be prepared to embrace these challenges. Children do not come to school purposely to cause us grief, to disrupt our classrooms, and to bring chaos and mayhem to the school environment, to blame them, to become adversarial with them, to offer only strict punishment and to demand compliance is simply, in my opinion, beyond absurd. Consider some other thoughts on this subject. Quote from Marcia, Michelle Garcia Winner, the founder of Social Thinking. Quote, dealing with challenging behaviors? Well, the first goal is to alter your lens, to understand that challenging behavior is the result of lagging skills. 
The second is to start solving problems together and teach those skills, end quote. And then, of course, we think about what's happening all over the country with evaluation requirements and protocols and and lots of legislation where student growth becomes one of those foundational pieces in teacher evaluation. And while I would argue that there's certainly room for being results-oriented, in reality, what it's done is it's made adversaries of students who challenge us. I recently had a conversation, you know, with a principal who was concerned about a particular student who was on the state testing roster. And, you know, of course, the worry is, is, and and, and he's an amazing principal, but the worry was what that was going to do for for his test scores. And while I know he cares deeply for the student, he was also being put in a place where he needed to be really mindful of what that student's performance was going to do for uh, for his school and for his teachers. And that is unfortunate because that should not be the case. Introducing his 2016 work, Lost and Found, Green writes, Our work is based on this premise that challenging behaviors occur when the demands and expectations being placed on a kid exceed the kid's capacity to respond adaptively, and that some kids are better equipped, A, they have the skills, to handle certain demands and expectations. The model focuses on identifying the skills a person is lacking and the expectations they're having difficulty meeting. Then the goal is to help them solve those problems rather than trying to modify their behavior through application of rewards and punishments, end quote. Whether or not we can see it in action, believing that each child comes to school wanting to do well is key. Our job then is to uncover that intent and remove the barriers that cause that positive intent to be so difficult to see. And the list of those who are blamed when we can't see that positive intent is long and interesting. We blame society for failing to do what is right to support families. We blame our politicians and our educational infrastructure for the rules, the type of support and the lack thereof that some feel is vital to educating students. We blame parents for the lack of parenting and the support we feel is necessary to effectively teach their students. We blame And the list goes on and on into infinity. And while many of these factors may play a role to some degree in complementing, or I'm sorry, in complicating our supporting our work, let's be real. Let's shift the conversation from blame to discovery. You know, every student comes to our place, a school, it's not perfect, but it exists as a place where each and every child can grow into their potential. It is a place where opportunity must be the norm for each child and where current ability meets opportunity to learn, to grow, and to mature. It must be a place where opportunity leads to infinite potential and to the realization of that potential for each and every child. We as educators are ultimately responsible. We, the trained educational professionals, are responsible. 
our choices determine to what degree we will prove to each of our students that they are both distinctive and irreplaceable. So do students choose to fail or do we fail to teach them in ways that recognize their need? What a different issue it is, depending on how you choose to answer that question. Do students choose to fail? Or do we fail to teach them in ways that recognize their need? Are we as adults really so afraid of failure that we're willing to allow children to shoulder that blame? I can't help but remember a, a conversation that I had with uh, many years ago with my nephew's uh, math teacher. And I was reaching out to this math teacher on behalf of my nephew's parents. And the teacher made it really, really clear that he didn't want to talk to me, that the responsibility for learning math was not my responsibility. It was not his parents' responsibility. It wasn't even the teacher's responsibility. It was the student's responsibility. And he made it very clear that he did what he needed to do to present content. And it was really a choice that my nephew would make one way or another that would determine whether or not he learned math. Wow. Embracing the possibility of failure empowers each of us as educators to do what we need to do to ensure our children's success. I'm not sure that a 14-year-old who doesn't live on his own, that doesn't make life decisions, should be making the life decision about whether or not he learns math. Let's eliminate blame and discover positive intent. That choice is ours. We can stop failing our children and tirelessly strive to meet the academic, social, and emotional needs of each of our students. The district can, if it chooses to, systemically support teaching, learning, and leading at scale. We can choose to enhance our skills as educators. We can learn, unlearn, and relearn that which is necessary for this journey. So let us return to where we began in this episode, uncovering positive intent. And I'm going to be I'm going to repeat a couple of lines here for a moment because I think it's really important to set the stage for the last story that I want to tell you. Each and every student comes to school every day wanting to be successful. Some have the skills to do so, others fall short. While some students come fully loaded, Others lack the skills needed to meet academic, social, emotional, or behavioral expectations. But isn't that what school's for? If everyone came fully loaded with all the skills, attitudes, and motivation, what would they need us for anyway? Isn't our job to embrace each beautiful young soul, figure out what skills they bring, what skills are lacking, put a plan together to address those issues, and get them to the finish line.
So here's my hope. I want, this is what I would like to be the norm in public schools all over the world. This is a story of a second grade teacher who has 31 students in her classroom of varying degrees of ability to perform on whatever domain, academic, social, emotional, or behavioral. She's part of an amazing team of educators that work collaboratively together. She's part of a building led by a dynamic, accomplishment-driven leader who's there to grow capacity of everyone to meet the needs of every child. She works in a district that has put the infrastructure in place to support teaching, learning, and leading at scale. And we're now in November, past any count for any FTE allocation. And she gets a new student. 31 becomes 32. She's already tired. She works really, really hard. And this student, number 32, is significantly below grade level in reading and in math, has some pretty significant social-emotional barriers, and the jury's out on behavior because it's only the first or second day that the student has been in school. And here's the phone call that the teacher makes to that parent. She says, when she calls them, she says, hey, I just want to introduce myself to you. I'm so-and-so, and I am beyond thrilled that your child has found my classroom. You know, I've been looking at uh, some of the information that we have, and we've done a little bit of testing, and I'm sure you know that your your child has some some barriers in her in instruction and her learning, and she's she's behind in in reading and in math. And this is second grade, and it's really really important. So here's my message to you, mom. Don't worry about it. You do what you need to do as a parent. You you do what you need to do to nurture and love on this little second grader because I'm going to take care of the reading and math here. And yeah, I'm going to reach out to you on occasion to see if you can do some things that will at home that will be helpful, but you know, I know that the you might have lots of other things in your world and you might not be able to do that. And if you can't that's okay. Because what I want you to know is, I got this. We at school, we got this. And at the end of the year, your daughter or son, depending on who it is, your child is going to be just fine. So you relax and enjoy being a parent. And it is an absolute pleasure to be able to support you and to support your child for the rest of second grade. So I just wanted to share that message with you, and I hope that you have a really, really good rest of your day. Now, that's some positive intent. You know what? We can do this.
And that wraps up another episode of The Wheelhouse. If you have something you'd like to share or a teaching or leadership problem you'd like to see us address, drop us a line at onlineacademy at ourstudentsmatter.org and we'll add that to our lineup. Together, our goal is to continuously expand our own leadership and instructional expertise and to prove to each student that his or her life is of immense and irreplaceable value. This is hard work, but it is the noblest of all professions. Until next time, remember, we can do this.